Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. The Lord spoke a word to me a couple weeks ago, and I shared it with you last Sunday, that you cannot change the way you feel until you change the way you think. So don't poke anybody in the head, but just on your own head, just kind of put your finger there. This is your thinker. This is where you do your, a lot of your living happens right here in this brain of ours. And this is where we live life. This is where we make decisions. This is where we feel loved and unloved and sure about ourselves or unsure. But it's all right here. And so you cannot change the way you feel until you change the way you think. And the Lord put me in a holding pattern as I was even this week just kind of found a pocket of time in between Animal Kingdom and Magic Kingdom and the beach and all of that. The Lord was still marinating this word related to the thinking that we do and how it affects our everyday life. And last Sunday, I shared with you about your mind that every single issue in your life right now is a thought issue. It's a thinking issue. Say it's a thinking issue. And any thought that you won't take captive will take you captive. It'll consume you. It'll take over your heart. And so the Bible said that we're to bring every thought captive under obedience to the name of Jesus Christ. Anything that has a name has to come under his name. No matter how big it is, it has to come under the name of Jesus. And I talked to you about the sword of the spirit and the belt of truth in Ephesians chapter 6. That it was very interesting that when Paul referred to Ephesians 6 that he was telling us about the armor of God. And in the armament, one of the things that he mentions is the belt of truth because truth needs to go around your waist so it can hold everything up. And it is in your belt that you slide the sword of the spirit in if you're considering the way a soldier wears their armor. But it is interesting that in the waistline, this is where you reproduce truth and eliminate error. Say this with me, reproduce truth and eliminate error. And finally, we begin to focus on what we refer to as biblical meditation. Now, I'm not talking about yoga. I'm not talking about humming, staring into a crystal ball with Shirley MacLaine and humming to your numb. I'm not talking about any spiritisms or astral projections. Oh, stay with me. I'm talking about biblical meditation where you begin to meditate on the word of God. That you put, you load yourself up with scripture so that you can meditate on it that when the hour of temptation and trial comes, you pull the scripture out and you attack the devil with it. So biblical meditation, that when you wake up in the morning, you read what you need. Say that with me. Read what you need. Somehow, whether it's in your devotion, a scripture, a song, God's going to bring it to your remembrance. You will read what you need just for that day. How many have ever found a verse just when you needed it? It just leaped off the page at you. It was you reading what you need. And when you do that, you replace the negative thoughts with the Word of God. Today, if the Lord helped me, I want to continue the second part of this, and it's deeper for us today. Foundationally, we rejoice because I believe that this type of teaching will help a lot of people. It'll help us break free from some stuff, free from the stuff we have added to our life, free from stuff folks try to put on our life, that we can break free from mental strongholds that have tried to take up space in our house and tried to ruin our life. And together as we learn and as we grow, I, I rejoice because the testimonies even that I've received from last week of folks whose hearts are touched and whose minds are liberated 
brings me great joy knowing that we're growing together. But as we unpack these truths and these messages and we commit ourselves to true spiritual growth, we're not only understanding what our core values are and what we were created to do, that we are now living by God's design and what he created for us to do in this life. So I got to get my mind free so that I can live the life he has always wanted me to live. I can live the life that he created me to live on this earth. So today my objective, and I always have one, my objective today, and I want you to write this down, is to locate the God-given influence in your life. What is your God-given influence? Because you have one. God gave it to you. And I want you to locate it. And the good news is that God has left us clues. God has left us clues even in our DNA. God has left us clues that he put in us that guide us to my purpose and guide me to my destiny. It is the Lord's doing. So today I would politely say to everyone, stop getting up in everyone else's face and start looking at you. Discover how God wired you. How many know the person next to you, God wired them something different than you? In fact, just look at him and say, I know that's right. We are wired different. And some of you are just, you don't even have to say anything. You just know you are wired different than the person next to you. Stop getting in everyone else's face, trying to figure them out, trying to be like them, and discover God wired me and gave me gifts and me talents and me purpose and me destiny and he wants to unlock some things to get me to where I'm going because how you are wired and how you are functioning will bring you either an accelerated pace to your destiny or a slowed version of trying to run the race and not getting there fast enough. It has been our principle here at Bethel Family Worship Center to help you to discover your life call. We want you to know what your calling in life is. What is your call? What is your life purpose? What did God put you here on planet Earth? What is your niche? What, what is your kingdom purpose? What is it that God can do through you that he can't do through anybody else? You are unique. God broke the mold when he made you. You are one of a kind. You have a fingerprints that are all your own. You have DNA that is all your own and you are an individual that God has clearly called and placed here for a purpose. So if we can help you discover some of these things in your life, it will make you so much more effective and it'll make you profitable in this life. Now obviously, here's what we have to do. We have to learn. Everybody write the word learn. It's not even a a word that I think is in Webster's. If it is, I'm sure someone will tell me. But learn is where you learn and glean at the same time. I'm learning and I'm gleaning. Say, I'm learning. So you learn how to learn where you have been invested in. You begin to learn so that we are not premature in our efforts to God's work. I have to glean and learn at the same time and learn for a season or seasons with an S because God is trying to get me to a place of effectiveness in his kingdom. This is why we strongly believe and teach in coaching. We believe it is essential for us to have mentors and coaches and spiritual fathers and mothers in our life we need that. We need that in the sense of relationship, a kingdom perspective of ministry that brings about multiplicity. If I have a coach or a mentor or a spiritual parent in my life, they are bringing into me, they are investing into me, they are pouring into me to accelerate me into a place of relational equity. In other words, where I can look back and see what I have earned from the relationship. I have, can develop multiplicity, that 
from me, from my seed, from my labor, from the fruit of my work, that I will produce other people to do the very same thing. This is how the kingdom of God is accelerated at an accelerated pace. It's not just about one or four, us four and no more. It's about the kingdom of God being lived out in people who have adopted and adapted and have come to a place where they are living out what they have learned. Everything you have today, somebody gave you. Everything you have today, somebody taught you. You didn't just come up in here looking all good. You didn't just come up in here driving the, the very fine vehicle you have or living in the best house. Somebody invested in you when you were a child. Somebody poured into you. It might have been a teacher. It might have been a parent. It might have been a grandparent. Can I get an amen from somebody? You didn't just come up in here looking all cute. Look down your row and say, you ain't that cute. Let me tell you, you didn't get here looking like you do on your own. Somebody had to make a way for you. Somebody had to sacrifice for you. Somebody had to, to wipe your nose. Somebody had to change your diaper. Somebody had to burp you when you couldn't burp yourself. I wish I could preach this morning and tell somebody. You didn't have it all together. You had to walk it out line by line upon each, upon each precept to see where God was going to take you. And now that you are understanding the kingdom, you realize it's not even about you it's about the people coming behind you and this is why we have and are creating opportunities for men and women of all ages at Bethel to be trained in leadership through what we call leaguership a league of like-minded leaders through what we call quest student development where we raise up our juniors and our, our teens and begin to teach them student leadership. Somebody say amen right there. It is our desire. Beverly and I so desperately want to see every member of Bethel Family Worship Center growing, reproducing, discipling others, walking towards their destiny as leaders, as parents, as ministers, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as husbands and wives. Whatever it is that God has for your future, we want to see you develop that and get there. Investing in the area that you are in intuitively created will make you more effective and it'll make you more profitable. You've got to come to that place where you discover this is my niche. This is where God has me. This is where my, this is where my come alive. This is where the baby leaps in my womb. This is where I'm happiest. This God is re refining me and tuning me and making me profitable in his kingdom. So I'm going to invest in that area. Because this is the area God's going to use me. We want to see you to, your perspective change. We want to, to change the way you think, change the way you move, so that you can live less frustrated. Less frustrated. If you were raised in a house of frustration, you already know. If you live with somebody who's always frustrated, you already know. God wants you to live life less flustered and less frustrated. Where are my real people? Less frustrated. This is why I'm sharing principles like biblical meditation to be able to call on a scripture. And base, I know it's basic and I know it's elementary, but it's a lifestyle choice that I'm going to live by the word of God because it helps me stay on my path. It helps me to get to my destiny. And the key is learning. <laughs> learning and gleaning together. The key is learning in the field where you've been planted. So like Ruth, you too will find handfuls of purpose that will left for you because you have purpose in your heart to be a learner. We need to make a t-shirt for whoever is going to design that. I'm a learner. God spoke this into my heart about the in-between place. This is where God has somebody right now. Say this with me, the in-between place. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 4. The in-between place is the place where you are waiting on God... And God is developing you in that place. He has to do a work in you before he can do a work through you. 
A lot of people hear the call of God, get excited. They see themselves standing before thousands of people preaching, teaching, or whatever. But forgot, you first have to clean your room. You got to wash dishes. You got to keep the oil on your car changed. All these practical things prepare you for spiritual things because whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. So you have to come in agreement with heaven and however heaven operates, you have to operate that way here. So you can't live like hell and have heaven. Come on, somebody. You can't live like the devil and be surrounded with spiritual angels that are bearing you up. I guess what I'm trying to get you to understand is that it's at the in-between place is where God does his greatest work. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And this is the verse that God spoke to me. To wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus had a plan for his disciples. They had to learn to wait in the in-between place so that they didn't abort the promise that he wanted them to receive. And how many people have you met who got ahead of God, married the wrong person, bought the wrong car, bought the wrong house, don't smile at anybody, got engaged to the wrong person, got hooked up with the wrong situation because they were, did not know how to wait in the in-between place. Oh, the in-between place is a place that you get restless. The in-between place is the place where vain imaginations begin to pop up and you start trying to put God's name on it. And you say, well, is that you, God, or was that the Taco Bell I ate last night? I heard something. I just need clarity. And you go to everybody who speaks prophetically and try to get a prophetic word from everybody who flows in the prophetic. And the only problem I have with that, not a problem with the prophetic, but the only problem I have with that is that many times we have itching ears and we want to hear what someone else is saying about us or over us when everything you need to know is found right here in thus saith the word of God. It's the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. They taught me in Sunday school. And yes, it's still good for me. He said, wait, in, wait for the promise of the Father because if you act too soon, you will abort the promise that I have for you to receive. You know and I know that the promise that God was speaking here was the promise of the Holy Ghost, that he would pour his spirit out in that Acts 2 experience. And they needed the power. They needed the power of God for endowment in their life. They needed power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They needed power to cast out demons. And by the way, there are still real demons that operate in people and they do come to church. I want you to know you need the power of the Holy Ghost. If you don't wait on God, you'll miss every Thing that God intended for you to have. And believe me, I've seen too many people miss God because they wouldn't wait on him. Preaching there, pastor, it matters what you do in the in-between place. It matters what you act like. It matters your attitude. It matters how you carry yourself. You don't try to make it happen. You let it happen. You just stay put. You just keep on occupying and God will bring to fruition very quickly into your life. God God has done great things in my life in the in-between place. For me, the in-between place is where I learn to reinvent myself. Hold on. The in-between place is where I reinvented myself to the highest and the best expression of who he created me to be. It was after failure, it was after hardship, it was after many trials that I came to an in-between place. And at that moment, I had to take inventory on my life. And I had to say, God, what you've done in the past is good, but what are you preparing me for the future? It was the in-between place. Say the in-between place. It took me a while to fully understand my purpose. 
It took me a while in my 20s and 30s to understand my life call and what God was calling me to. I went through many tests, especially as a teenager. I went through test after test. When I became a young adult, there were still tests that I had to take, Pastor Wayne. I had to keep on testing. I faced many challenges as a young person who had a call of God on my life and didn't understand exactly how he would bring it to pass or what he would do in my life. I had to learn the easy way and the Lord knows. I learned some things the hard way. I, I had some things that I was able to get a hold of and become principal in my life. And then there were other things that I struggled with. And I had to finally keep taking the test over because God allows for retakes if you don't take the test and pass the test. Some things I would have learned earlier, I just, I just didn't want to listen. And there are some things that I learned quickly because I listened to my spiritual covering and they helped me. They kept me from the, the cliffhangers and they kept me from the potholes and some things God did so so work in my heart that I skipped grades in because I listened to the people who were over me in the Lord. Oh, I wish I could preach to a Pentecostal apostolic church to tell somebody today that we are covered by God. Everything God did before the cross and after the cross. Everything he did on the other side of the cross and on the other side of the resurrection, resurrection is delegated authority. He puts people in your life apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, to equip you for the work of the ministry. Can I hear an amen from somebody? I've come to challenge somebody and tell you this next season in your life, God's going to let you skip some grades. He's going to let you jump ahead of the class. He's going to put you in a posture where you're going to receive greater, greater things in him. If you'll just listen, look down your row and tell him, I told you he was talking to you. <laughs> if you'll just listen, all oh, to be a teenager again when you know everything and can pay your own bills. Here's one test that I passed, knowing who I am beyond the applause and the approval of people. I had to learn this was a hard one for me to learn because I'm a people pleaser just by nature. I figured out the difference between what God has given me and what people have given me. Now let that sit in. I figured out the difference between what God gave me and what people gave me. I was always born, I was born a people pleaser. I wanted to be at peace with everyone. I don't like going to bed at night knowing that I'm at odds with anyone. I like to be at peace. And so I will sometimes overcompensate. I'm just being real this morning. A natural born people pleaser. I don't want to disappoint nobody. I, don't, I want people to be pleased with me. However, in ministry, in pastoring a church, I had to learn how to peel off the stickers and the buttons that people placed on me. I had to learn to shrug off the guilt trips that people put on me. Woo, it's quiet in here. Once I did, I was able to move past the applause and the approvals of other people. And then I learned how to rest in my God-given opportunities. I learned how to be myself. Oh my, my. It was during this time, what I call the in-between. It was in my in-between time that God began to develop me in this area and God began to speak to me. And he began to, as I began to pass these tests, I was getting new dreams from God. I was getting new visions from the Lord. I was getting a new fire in my belly. I was getting a new spirit. God was doing something in me and I just had to wait this process out. I had to stay in the process, Holy Ghost speak. God wants you to wake up to the second season of your life to find strength. I heard the Lord say to birth again. God has called somebody in this place to wake up to your second season of life and have strength to produce and to birth again. Tell your neighbor, God will give you the strength to birth again. 
You need the strength to birth again. You need the strength to build again. You need the strength to search forward again. You need the strength to go forward in such a way that you're no longer trapped in your past, that you have called, you have learned something in your in-between season, that God has given me strength to birth again, to build again. This is what I call, and I want you to write it down, it's the second surge. When God begins to do something in your life, what is that second surge? If, if I could describe a second surge for my own vernacular, it's where I benefit from all that I went through in the first half of my life so that I could build again in the second half of my life. Who am I preaching to today that God is about to release a second surge in your life? You don't have to spend 20 years of your life building something, accomplish something, and then all you do the next 40 years of your life is talk about the good old days of what used to be and what was. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to accomplish something the first 20 years of your life and spend the next 40 years talking about the good old days and what used to be and how the Holy Ghost used to move and how God used to you. I'm here to tell you the good old days are coming around again. God is giving somebody a second surge in your spirit. I don't care if you believe it. I don't care if you receive it. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you do or don't. I said the good old days are coming around again. And the Lord told me to tell somebody they are in front of you. You know what I want to do this morning? I want to rebuke that old deaf spirit that is hanging over your head that makes you think that life is over, that the good times are over, and that you're just sitting around waiting on the hearse to come and get you and carry you on to glory. I come to tell you the devil is a liar. The good days are in front of you. I don't care if you lost your home, buy another one. They still make them go out to get you another one. Don't spend the next 10 years of your life crying over what used to be. God said this is your second surge. Birth again. Birth again. Birth again. What you learn in the in-between place will give you strength to birth again. I need you to high-five somebody and tell them I'm going to birth again. Stop rehearsing those old ideas. Go shopping. You may have lost a car. Go buy you another one. They still make them. The key is, are you ready? Figure out what you should have learned the first time. Armed with that information now, get back up. That's why I'm loving raising my grandbabies. Now, we're not raising them. Ethan and Caitlin are raising them. But what I didn't learn when I raised my child, Caitlin, I now have the wisdom in the second surge, and I am a very young spry 51, by the way. <laughs> I'm raising my grandbabies with a little more knowledge. Come on, somebody. A little more time on my plate, a little more wisdom. I got any witnesses in the room? Woo! I just love giving them cookies and sending them home. I'm just, I, I have learned some things in the first half. I wish I knew that in the second half I'm armed and dangerous because I now know how many wish you could have gone back 20 years ago to what you did not know. But what you know now, look at your 20 year old self and say, hey, player, let me fill you in on some good things that God brought me through. I had to go through that, but let me tell you what I learned while I was there. Ah, oh, you need to learn something in the in-between place because you are ready for your second surge. Run the marathon. Ride your bike. Jog. Lose the weight. Armed with what you know now.
This time I'm ready, armed with what I didn't know before. But now I'm ready. I have more information. I have more knowledge. I'm sharper. I look a lot different than I did in junior high. Thank God. I've come through the furnace of affliction, through the things that I learned. I'm more intuitive. This is why I'm wiser even when it comes to hiring staff. This is why I'm wiser when it comes to where I pour my energy. This is why I'm wiser when I sit down and write down who my inner circle is. This is why I'm wiser about what gets my time. Hmm. This is why I'm wiser about what I read. I'm wiser about what I view. I'm wiser about who I let influence me. I'm even wiser about who I let lay hands on me. I wish I knew then what I know now. But since I didn't learn what I know now till I went through what I did then, I'm gonna give God a praise this morning. I just wanna praise him for what he taught me through the affliction. I want to praise him for what he taught me through the hour of trial, the errors. I want to thank him for the mentors in my life, the coaches in my life, and the pastors in my life. Because today, I have more tenacity. Today, I have more focus. Today, I have more enthusiasm. Today, I have more energy. Today, I have more excitement. God woke me up this morning and started me on my way. I'm not in a hospital. I'm breathing on my own. I got out of bed this morning and I'm going to live my life to the fullest because I know he is worthy of praise. Somebody praise him. Praise him for the second surge. Praise him for the in-between. Woo! I said, Lord, if I preach it like this, I'm leaving half the crowd out who is very young. Who's saying, how can I have a second surge when I haven't even finished my first surge? But the Lord told me to deliver this word. Here's the second thing that I'm still learning. Write this down. You can't be fruitful if you haven't found your seed. Somebody said, what? I think I'll say it again. You can't be fruitful if you haven't found your seed. Remember this. The Bible said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, David said, God, you did a good job when you made me. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. And the enemy tries to make you feel like you're a big mistake, like you've messed up, like you've had a failure or you've had something indiscretion or you maybe didn't pass the test or maybe you, you got, got involved with the wrong people or whatever. The enemy is a liar. The truth is, God has a people for you. God has a people who will embrace you and who will believe in you and will believe in the dream that God has called you to. Your pastors are some of those people. We believe in you. God will use people to shape you. God will use people to cut away the rough edges of your life to refine your living, to refine your thinking, to bring you to a whole nother level of believing and a whole nother level of thinking so that you can become the highest and the best expression of what God created you to be. This is why it is important, hear me, to be surrounded with leaguers, like-minded leaders, people who are a league of like-minded leaders who believe in what God has called you to. When God births something, hear me, in my heart, in seed form, when he births it in seed form in my heart, it will die if I don't have the right 
people around me who have a similar purpose and have a similar passion in their life. This is what I know. Their diverse perspective and influence and contribution shape my life. I need everybody that God wants in my life surrounding me, shaping me, and putting me in the right posture. Because if I surround myself with the wrong people, my seed will die. It'll never get in the soil. It'll, Brother Samuel, it'll never come to fruition. I've got to have the right people around me. How many dreams have died in seed form because we didn't have the right people around us? We didn't have the right people to encourage us or to motivate us because we had, here's what I know, we had the wrong midwives. We had the wrong midwives in our life who didn't know how to push out the miracle that was within us. This is why I say that in the in-between space, it is vital that you have the right people around you as you head into your second surge. You need the right people to surround you so you can bear down and push out your miracle. But if you have the wrong midwives, when Beverly and I came to Indianapolis, we didn't have a team to help us plant this work. We had to grow a team. We didn't have one when we came. It was hodgepodge, motley crew. We had to grow a team. A team that was attracted to a dream. You know how many pastors across the country have asked me, how'd y'all become multicultural? How'd y'all be so diverse? I just say to them, I have no clue. <laughs> Only God. We did not set a sign out in the front yard that says, we're trying to be cultural. We're trying to be diverse, come and help us. Here's what I've learned in my in my short time. Love draws people. Love draws people. We had to attract to the dream a team who would have similar instincts but different talents. I can't do what Pastor Hill does. I can't do what Pastor Wayne does. You understand what I'm saying? A team that is diverse and different in their talents. A team with the right spirit. Oh my, that'll preach all day long. A team of diversity. If you only hear me, encircle yourself with people who are just like you. You will miss the team for the task. You gotta have a team for the task. Somebody writes this down in your notes and date it. You need a team for the task. But if you only encircle yourself with people who are just like you, you will miss it. Think about it. Doctors run together. Lawyers run together. Accountants run together. Even preachers run together. What I'm saying is once you find your seed, it needs to be shaped. Once you find your call, your purpose, it needs to be shaped. You need some midwives around you. You need people who know how to birth new dimensions out of you into where you are going. People who will look at you and tell you, you are out of order, sit down. You, people who will look at you and tell you, you have spinach in your teeth and your slip is hanging. People who will look at you and tell you, you did an amazing job and the anointing of God is upon you. Walk humbly before the Lord and let God exalt you. You need a midwife in your life to birth a new dimension. I feel the Holy Ghost to bring you into your destiny. People who can contribute different talents to what is before you to help you get to where you're going. I believe I'm speaking to some people right now who are thinking about a second surge, who are believing God for the second half of your life, who are believing God for the second half of your career. I am, I'm preaching to somebody, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand and say, that's me, preacher. Preach, 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 preacher. God's got a word for me, preacher. You've got to understand, God has a second surge for you. And not everybody's your midwife. That is hard for a people pleaser 
to get a hold of. Write this down. You get the seed in the soil of your heart and you protect it by the team you put around you. The seed comes into the soil of your heart and then you protect it by the team you put around you. Who do you have around you? I heard the Holy Ghost just say, some of you sitting here, your life right now isn't even going the way you thought it would. You're not happy. You're not fulfilled. Oh, you got stuff. But I heard the Lord say this, and I wrote it down. Who do you have around you? People who are only around you because you buy their meals. You're not a friend. You're a debit card. You ain't nothing but a debit card. Cha-chang. Some of us have people around us who are only because of what we can do for them. People who are only around you because of the connections and the networks you provide so they can sell their Amway. <laughs> if you sell Amway, I don't know your business. I don't know nobody's business. Do not send me no email. Thank you. Who's, who do you have around you? Do you have people around you who are attracted to your dream? Do you have people around you who see themselves as part of the assignment? Do you have people around you who are drawn to the same vision? Write this down. Do you have people who will insulate you? This message may not be for everybody, but it's helping somebody. Whenever you're trying to protect an idea or a concept, or a business, or a relationship. It's only protected when it's insulated. Somebody catch that. Your idea is only protected when it's insulated. You cannot tell your idea to everybody. Tell it to the wrong people, and your brothers will throw you into the pit and put blood on your coat. You got to be careful, Joseph, who you tell your dream to. Whatever God is leading you towards, it has to be insulated. This is what your team does for you. They insulate you for your next season. And Bethel Family Worship Center, whew, I wish I could say everything. We are moving into our second surge. Something's had to die for other things to live. And you are not here by accident. Oh, there's blessings in this house that just because you're even part of the house, just like I'm part of the house, I get the blessing for just being associated with the house. It's important that you have people who insulate you for your next season. I feel this strong for somebody. And the reason some ideas have died it is because they aren't, it isn't because they aren't good ideas. It's because you had the wrong midwives to birth it. The frustration was there because you didn't have the right, you had the right idea, but you didn't have the right midwife. You had the right dream, but you didn't have the right midwife. You didn't have the right team around you to insulate it so that it could move to the next season. Allow me to explain. Turn with me to the Old Testament, to Exodus chapter 2. In Exodus chapter 2, it explains, and I, I want to give you this thought from the life of Moses. In verse 10, the Bible says, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. Now we're talking about Miriam. Who is, the, who is the sister of Moses, who was sent out to keep watch of her little brother who was put in the bulrush and set into the Nile. And the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she called his name Moses and she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now, here's where I'm trying to get you to understand about the principle of midwives. If we don't have a preaching, a handkerchief throwing, spit in your face a service, that's okay with me. But if you catch what I'm about to tell you, 
It will change the way you live your life from this point forward. It's about the right thinking. You cannot change how you feel till you change how you think. Forget about your culture. I said, as your pastor, forget about your culture. Forget about your politics. Forget about everything your family told you. And be willing to embrace the word of God right here. Are you with me? She drew him out of the water. What did she call him? Moses. When I think about midwives, I think about Moses. There was a point in Moses' life that he hadn't even been given a name. Search the word. He hadn't been even given. His name is not mentioned. He was just a baby. And if you think about it for a minute, Moses didn't have a name until another woman gave it to him. The mother who birthed him, Jochebed, did not name him. Find it in the word. Another woman gave Moses his name. Why? She said, because I drew him out of the water. You say, well, pastor, I just don't understand. Go verse one. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. There's no name. There's no name. No name is mentioned. He has no influence. He has no inspirational purpose. He has no name. He has no identity. He has no influence. He has no inspiration. He just exists as the hidden baby for three months. No name given. Could that be someone in this place today? Could that be you today? You just exist. No inspiration. No influence. No leadership. Because leadership is influence. You're in control of nothing. No inspiration. No identity. I'm preaching to somebody. You have to realize that Moses lived for three months hidden in a house. And when I thought about it, the Lord sent me to ask you, what is hidden in your house? What is in your house that is hidden? Ideas that are hidden in your house that don't have names yet. My God. Intuitions that are in your house that don't have names yet. Drawings that are in your house that don't have names yet. Books and journals that are in your house that don't have names yet. Wooings of the Spirit that are in your house but don't have a name yet. Drawing of the Lord, pullings of the Lord, half-born concepts that are in your house, in your journal, that are hidden in your house, but has no name. All hidden in your house waiting to be formalized by what hasn't been empowered yet. My God, no name has been given to it yet. You don't have it. Isn't it funny how you have an idea for something from God and God might even use somebody else to name it uh, and somebody else to birth that out of you. Woo! That's why you need a midwife. That's why you need a spiritual father. That's why you need a mentor and a coach and a pastor. They'll pull out of you what you have in you. You got some stuff hidden in you that you can't even name yet because you haven't had anybody help you birth it. I remember when God birthed the idea and the concept of leadership in my heart. It was in me for more than a decade. I just didn't know how to birth it. It took years of nurturing it to empower it. It took years of application, not theory, not what I read in someone else's book or on the gram, but years of application to see it stand up on its own two legs and walk. 
took years of mentoring and coaching those who God entrusted to me. It took years of labor, sacrifice, time, study. And I say this not to boast, but to prove a point. I started mentoring and raising up spiritual children where I was. And in now, in addition to that, I'm mentoring pastors and spiritual sons and daughters around the country and even in other countries. But what I know is this. My children will finish what I started. Both natural and spiritual will finish what I started. What if I had kept hidden in my house what God wanted to reveal? You may be hiding your own deliverer in your house. Moses' mother was hiding her own deliverer, the one that she had prayed for, the one that she had said, God, send a deliverer to set us free. She was hiding her own deliverer that God had sent. And I'm wondering, what are you sitting on right now? What are you holding? What's inside of you that you've been praying for? Lord, I need some resources. I need you to open a door, God. I'm backed up into a corner. I'm shoved against a wall. I need you to undertake. I'm wondering if you're hiding your own answer in your own house. Because most of the time, people pray for things. God didn't send outside things. He just exposed what was already in your house. He exposed a handful of meal that was already in the house. Samson would tell you the jawbone of the, ants, of the ass was already at your feet. One woman was ready to sell her own children because she was oh in so much debt until she realized she already had enough oil in her house. And hold the Holy Ghost say this as they come. Rediscover what's in you. Rediscover what's in you. We spend all of our life appreciating other people. Looking at other people. Look at what they have. We help everyone else achieve their dream. But you've got to discover what's in your own house. What do you have? Say this with me. It's in the house. Some of the things that are inside of me that were hidden had to be empowered in order for them to be exposed. They were hidden until they were empowered. And once empowered, they were exposed. God put spiritual fathers and mothers in my life who unearthed my dreams, cultivated me, kept the weeds out of my life, told me, keep digging. I don't like it. Keep digging. I'm uncomfortable. Keep digging. I'm tired. Keep digging. Ah, keep digging. You need to trust God for what he put in you rediscover what he put in you. And I'll say something more about Moses. His name means drawn out, exposed, revealed. He was named by another woman. That's what his name means. He didn't get his name until Pharaoh's daughter, bathing in the river, looks down and sees the baby, loves the baby, picks the baby up, and says, I'll call his name Moses, for he was drawn out. I think it's such a play on terms, but listen to this. Moses' name means drawn out. But that's not the first time he was drawn out. He was drawn out of a womb. He was drawn out of the water. He was drawn out of the palace. He was drawn out of the wilderness. And I began to realize, Justin, that life is a series of being drawn out. 
life is a series of God drawing me out of this and that. I don't know if that makes sense to any of you, but I say God is drawing you out. God is calling you out of hiding, calling you out of fear, calling you out of insecurity, calling you out of small-mindedness, calling you out of your safe place, calling you out of those places where your destiny has been your shelter. Oh, I hear the Holy Ghost. Your destiny is never your shelter. God has to bring you out of something uh, into something else. I'm come to tell you that in a storm I will shelter myself. In a storm I will find shelter and I will let that wind pass over me. But the storm will pass for you. Whether it's the shelter of the womb, whether it's the shelter of a cocoon, it's, it's as long as until God says I'm ready to expose you. I'm going to draw you out so that I can use you. The bulrush protected Moses as long as he stayed in the ark, but he was drawn out. The womb protected Moses as long as he stayed there, but he was drawn out. He was protected in the house for three months in the small thing, but then he was birthed into the bigger thing. He was drawn out of the house into the river. He was drawn from the river to the palace. He was drawn from the palace into the wilderness. And I'm telling you, in between every struggle in your life, every torturous, barbaric thing you've ever been through, God's not trying to kill you. He's trying to birth you. He's trying to draw you out so he can get you to your purpose. Somebody stand to your feet and thank God that he is still drawing you out. He's drawing out what he placed inside of me. Oh, the Lord sent me with a word for somebody today. For those of you who said, Pastor, I'm too old. You've been saying, I can't do it. I'm too old. I'm too late. I'm too entrenched in my circumstance. Oh, no, 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 no. Abraham was still discovering himself in his senior years. Ooh, I felt this for somebody. You are not too late to connect your navigation to your purpose and your destiny. Ooh, I hear the Holy Ghost. You cannot change the way you feel until you change the way you think. Who in this place is God drawing out? With your hands raised and your eyes closed for just a moment, would you begin to worship the Lord as they begin to play anointed music and begin to worship Him in spirit and in truth? You are here and you would just, with your hand raised to heaven, you would thank God. Just begin to thank Him. Thank Him for His word to your life this morning. Thank Him for the message to your soul. Thank Him uh, that God is, thank Him for pulling you out. Thank Him for changing the way you think about yourself. Thank him for the second surge. I heard that for somebody, a second surge, a second surge. God said, you're gonna have to birth it again, but it's important who you have around you as a midwife. If you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit is already speaking to your heart and you feel the draw to this altar, then just come up out of your seat like others who already have. Find your way to an old fashioned altar and begin to talk to God for yourself. Begin to talk to God for you, for you, for you. You matter to God. You matter to him. Your destiny is important to him. You are not here by accident. You didn't just come into this house. You didn't start watching online a few months ago just to come and visit today and say, well, I just wanted to check it out. God put a hook in your jaw. God began to open up things into your life. God began to prepare your steps. God began to order you and direct you. God's gonna call you out of the womb. God's gonna call you out of the river. God's going to call you out of the palace. He's going to call you out of the wilderness. He's going to birth you into your second surge. I sense the Holy Ghost so strong in this place. Those of you that value prayer, I want you to find you a place to pray as well. Those of you that are in need of a miracle, I want you to press your way up to the front. You need God to surround you with some midwives. Woo! You need God to put some midwives around you, people who will help you with your dream, who will tell you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, but yes, do this, and yes, do that. People who will walk with you truthfully, who care about you, not your talent, 
who care about you, not what you can do, but you. Midwives, 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 I hear the Holy Ghost. I hear the Holy Ghost. He's about to birth something. If you're standing in the aisle, step out of the way so people can come around behind you. Find you a place to sink in, sink in. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want our prayer team to begin to move through the crowd. Begin to move through the front and begin to pray for people who are praying. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Elders, deacons, ministers, prayer teams. Hallelujah. Lord, put it around me. You put the dream in me, God. You put the dream in me, Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 